You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. Hi, I miss you. It's been oh, so long. I know. It has. It I has. don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. <laughs> and I don't think the peoples appreciated it. No. Nope. It's going... Going yeah. on hiatus, yeah. and now, Oops, now we're just getting back in the flow, and yeah, thankfully we've um, managed to come up with a bunch of episodes so we don't have to do that again, go on a break for a I, while. I, I, I would say I cannot guarantee we will not go back on a break. <laughs> Except for a while. Okay. That's a whole That's true. We've had sickness, we've had holidays, we've had vacations, we've had so many things i know we've already been back for a few weeks but yeah even so we've had s- some breaks where we had a kind of work around so i'm happy to see you again just for the listeners to know i am dealing with some severe allergies uh with the the drying out of south carolina apparently allergies are all year round not just for the fall or the spring and Julie is also recovering from a little bit of congestion. So if you hear us cough, and we'll do our best, but if you hear us cough or sound nasally, that's just because uh, we're working on a very sultry voices. <laughs> <laughs> that's because we are people. We are nasally. At least I am. That's what happens when you have a two-week break from and, and our preschool teacher, as well as you know all the stuff that we do in this arena and I do with Box and Hanger. I tend to get sick over breaks. Isn't that a nice little gift where my immune system is like, nope, sorry, bitch. (laughs) Well, I mean, but you have so many kids that you're surrounding yourself with. I can't imagine as perfect germ delivery vehicles that you're not getting sick more often than you do as you are now. I mean, (laughs) I don't know what to say about that. But yes, it is true. I It is just a complete germ fest. I don't know. I, I like to think that after 20 plus years in this field, that my immune system is rock solid, but I am still not back in my house. I'm staying at my in-laws. So couple that with the germs and the stress of that, of a house remodel. I get it. I get it. I just mm-hmm. want it to be over. That I get. That I totally get. I commend you for being able to manage the stress levels of being relocated and dishomed, pulled away from your routine a lot. I know it's it's a lot to deal with. So I commend you for being as positive and amazing as you have been. And to be fair, like my in-laws are amazing and this is a very big house. And my in-laws are amazing. I will repeat that again. And so when our dear listeners are tuning in and they're hearing me say that, I understand the PTSD that may come up when thinking about spending ample time with one's in-laws if they are awful <laughs> or more difficult or whatever. And and that is not the case with me. So I'm tremendously thankful for that. I have that going for me. That being said, I am a creature of habit and having most of my clothes in a pod in my driveway that I currently don't have the key i need to find the key but there's a lot of stuff in there Mm. so 
that's frustrating. But the fact that I get to sit here across from you makes it all better. And we have a show to do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Remember that? I do. (laughs) So what are we going to talk about today? Today, in honor of the new year that we are in, I'd like to get back to the basics. I've been listening during our hiatus to a lot of the earlier episodes, and it made me think about the importance of starting where you came from. And so the topic today that I want to cover and I want us to unbox in all its many layers is why men wear women's clothing. Why do we do what we do? We meaning not me, actually, but what's the point of it all? What's the reason behind it all? And I'd love to have that discussion with you. Yeah. So my answer to that would be, check out Savannah Hawk's third Living with Crossroads, a book (laughs) called Gender 101. Out soon. Bye for now. No. (laughs) This is really topical and timely for me because this morning before you and I got out of call, I am cleaning up the book I'm writing and it is all about gender. So you and I talked off air before this episode. I don't think any of us can say why it is we do this thing. We don't know the genesis of it. We don't know that I wear women's clothing because there's a gene or some DNA or some chromosome that forces me or pushes me into this lane to say, hey, it would be great for myself is to dress as a woman. Barring that, barring the science of it, I will say is my first response, is I have been going through a a drought myself because I've had some back issues and uh, just not feeling up to it on Sundays, uh, being afraid to wear heels uh, for fear that I was going to aggravate my lower back pain, etc. So I've been really depressed. And even today, maybe I'll just underdress. I'll just put on pantyhose. And so the pantyhose led to the hip pads, which <laughs> led to waist cincher. And then I'm like, oh, you know what I could do though? I could put on some jankings because that's pretty nondescript if people aren't paying attention to you in public. And I'm like, oh, let me put this leopard print blouse on because I'll wear a jacket over it and nobody will notice. So now I have a teddy on and I'm like, oh, let me just put the, the breast forms in there. So I, I come out of, of the room going, I am like dressed from the neck down. I might as well just do the last the last lap and put the makeup on in a wig and call it good. And I was very happy. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, do a little ditty. It was like <laughs> the pantyhose connected to the <laughs> hip pads, the hip pads connected to the waist pads, the waist pads <laughs> connected to the rapper print. Then you added the titties. <laughs> that is exactly led to another. It it did. It was all like <laughs> I'm here. I'm also do that. If I'm there, I'm also do this other thing. So I finally right. dressed, and even though the intent was not to dress, I will tell you that dressing it brought me a sense of calm. It made me happy. It made me content with my body. And even though I've had I don't know, maybe 12 weeks, mostly of not dressing at all. I, on my typical hashtag Sunday, this was one of those things where I didn't intend to, but the more I did, the more I wanted. And the more I wanted, the more complete it became. And so Savannah was able to go out and Judy was like, hey, can you take this to Walgreens for the FedEx thing? So I took this big package to the FedEx thing. And then I went to Starbucks and did the writing and cleaning up of the book. And here we are. And I also said to you, I think by text going, I want to dress for you because you haven't seen Savannah 
in so long. So it was selfish for me to dress, but also I wanted us to have our, our time together. Yeah, I like that. For my first answer, I'm going <laughs> to say that men dress because women's clothes are awesome. They just are. They're awesome. There are so many different choices. There's so many different colors and textures and fits and encasement. It's all very, very sexy. And it's very, I don't know, it's almost like beyond one's wildest dreams, just how many choices there are in terms of one's personal style, the juxtaposition between fabrics, all of that is very enticing and very interesting. Whereas if I was to think about men's clothes, and I'm not talking about the style bloggers that found a lane to be dapper, to be eclectic, I would say that there are certain definitely certain personal styles within the man, the manly ways we dress or the men's style. But if I was to think about the clients that I've worked with at Fox and Hanger and the friendships we've made on this podcast, the answer tends to be when I'm a male mode, it's boring. It's simple, lacks. That's just, it lacks. And then when speaking about going into feminine mode or female mode, it's the opposite of lacking. It's abundant and there's creativity and there's sensuality and there's all the kind of things that this male mode way of dressing doesn't have. And I think when you have someone who is dual gender, who cross-dresses for a kink, whatever way that you respond to the word cross-dressing, however it fits for you, I think that there tends to be this back and forth between two worlds. And one world can feel very drab. It can feel very normal or heteronormative or very simple. And then when thinking about getting into the feminine in terms of all the choices we have as females, it's the opposite of that. It's exciting and it's sexy and it's alluring and it's all these different channels that you could just choose in order to become this feminine version of yourself, this kind of freed version of yourself. So that answer just all encapsulates into this one simple sentence that women's clothes are awesome. Women's clothes (laughs) are awesome. Yes. (laughs) You'd go to any department store, Macy's, Lauren Taylor's, whatever. And you look at what's there for women versus what's in the men's section. What do you get in the men's section? You get a lot of suits. So there's going to be vests and jackets and dress shirts and pants and shoes, but not a lot of style. Sure, you can have 40 different types of dress loafers, sure, but they all look relatively the same where you look at the women's section, even for shoes or for accessories, dresses versus skirts versus blouses versus everything that's there. From casual to dressy to work to super evening attire. Yeah, women have so much a plethora of choices. And that's just the matter of the choice, the article clothing, which doesn't even go into what you had mentioned, which is the tactile nature of it, the silkiness, the smoothness, the satininess, the way it compresses. I am very simple when it comes to... Chuck's, we talked about this before, where you give me a cool Marvel graphic tee and a pair of jeans and my Hey Dudes, because I got some Hey Dudes for Christmas, and a ball cap. And I'm happy because I don't really care about dressing up as Chuck, because the option is if I want to dress up, it means dress slacks, a dress shirt, maybe a vest, or maybe a tee with a blazer. The choices are really not all that exciting or interesting. Whereas women's fashion, 
through the ages from the early 20th century on have become so much more expansive while menswear has come like a little more simplistic in general. So I totally agree that the idea and the idea of wearing women's clothing, the way it feels, the way it looks, it does spark that joy for me. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I don't get that joy. I, I get joy of wearing the male clothes I wear, but it doesn't spark this heightened joy that I get because I can, I can make my face up and I can fit into the curves of things. I don't know. There's just something alluring and almost needed when it comes to women's wear and wanting to dress that way. Yeah. And it, it reminds me is something that you and Judy have talked about over the years. And that's just, why can't you put more effort into Chuck? Why do you care less about what Chuck looks like than what Savannah looks like? Whether it's you spend so much money or you put so much extra effort, I wish you would just care a little more about Chuck, especially if it's even or however she explains it to you. And I think that's your answer says so much in terms of tying that conversation with your partner really in a bow and figuring out why it is. And the truth of the matter is how you dress for Chuck brings you joy. You like creative artsy t-shirts. You like what you like in terms mm -hmm. of Chuck. And I, as you and I have discussed in previous times, that brings you joy. It may not be this elevated, super heightened joy, but then again, as Savannah has normalized, maybe that's not that either. I think that you have really struck a perfect balance between two worlds and honoring the fact that being a female can be really, it can be expensive. It costs more to upkeep with the makeup and with the, especially when it comes to self-care, getting waxing and doing all, all the things that you also do for Chuck as well. And I also want to add on to that. Yes. Chuck has, is biologically male. Chuck does not have to prove anything. Chuck does not have to wear something specific in order to be accepted in society. Um, generally, walk out the door, everything's fine. Whereas Savannah, and again, the want to be Savannah, I'm not going to say the whys, but clothing is also very protective in nature. If you dress up or dress over-expected as Savannah, I feel... How would I say this? I have to really overdress as Savannah to feel feminine. So there is that quality of wanting to feel feminine. And so, right, today I'm wearing like jeggings and a blouse top. And I love it. I, I think I look pretty in it. But typically, I go to something a little more far-reaching where the women would typically be in those pajama pants that they wear out in public or right. yoga what do you pants. Mean? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, women dress for comfort most often. <laughs> okay, so let's call a spade a spade. No, but you're not you're, dressing up all the time. Right? You're like, reading me right now. Wearing no, my daisy pajama pants. Uh, you're also in the house and not out. Oh, sweet. So I'm not saying anything about you. But typically women like are not dressing up. They're not dressing beyond what's, I don't know, I guess expected nowadays just to go out and about. They're in yoga pants or in leggings or in comfiness. They're not like putting on dresses and skirts to just go to Starbucks, right? So for me, that doesn't play. I need to dress that additional amount because that makes me feel pretty. It makes me feel protected and it makes me feel good in my body as men. I think that we're in an interesting time right now. 
where versus other times in American history where women cracked ribs in order to be acceptable by society where you know the length and the width of your skirt measured your social status where there was so much emphasis on wearing makeup i can't tell you there's probably been two stories in my life where my mom has gone to a girlfriend's house her and her alone and forced this girlfriend in the car talk about first forced feminization people and driven her to cbs and got her makeup because it was unacceptable for a, let's fill in the blank, 50-something to not wear makeup or 60-something to not wear makeup. So throughout time, women have had this pressure on them to look a certain way. My mother-in-law, for example, had always, she had a trademark red lipstick that she would always wear. And then she became a grandmother and wanted to kiss her grandbaby's cheek. So (laughs) that kind of melted into the fabric of things. But I think that now that women hold a higher sense of self because of history and because of the different ways that we can express ourselves, it may not be as heightened. The pandemic has something to do with it as well, where people are saying no to certain occasions where they would go to the occasion, even though they have all these clothes in their closet, they would spend hours looking for the right thing to wear. And it would be something that you don't have to say a word, but what what you wear sends a message to the world. So biological women have felt this pressure to be better than they are and dress in a certain way for a while. But I also think that what I'm hearing as well, just from knowing you and listening in in a different kind of way, is that we wake up we put on clothes and we're already feminine in the world, mm-hmm. regardless of yeah. what level we're at. So I get what you're saying. Yep. Yep. When you wake up a woman. That's true. Right. right. Just like I wake up a man and I don't have to do more than I need to still be Chuck. And you wake up as Julie, you don't need to go above and beyond. You can wear whatever you want, eclectic, simple, comfy, and you're still a woman. Nobody's ever going to question that. Whereas for moi, for Savannah, there is that elevation. And I, you brought up two points. It's like there's a historical expectation of that dressing a certain way. And I grew up, I think, with idols, feminine idols of who I want to look like that person or Linda Carter or Lonnie Anderson or whoever those idols were growing up. And also paying attention to how women wore their clothing and kind of growing up in a post 50s, 60s era where the woman was still wearing dresses. So I think that was my ideology of what I, I felt a woman should look like, not for other women, but just for me, for my femininity. And as a result, that's where I geared to, but also that idea of if I'm going out, I want to look as feminine as possible so I don't get accosted by people. And I, I think that if people see you put that effort in, and I'm talking about a dual gender, man and female dresser, that if we put that effort in, I think it, it almost gives you like a well done by people who pass you by. I don't know. I, I, that's quite the sense I can. I think people, when they give you the once over and they see like the effort you put in, if they right. clock you, that's one thing. But if they clock you and then say, oh, I, I, that's a man, but wow, they put a lot of effort into it. I think there is some appeasement and some appreciation for the craft that you're not just out there being weird. <laughs> that makes right. sense. It it does make sense. And I think that a lot of it is very psychological. I think a lot of it 
it comes with some dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe I would say, show me your bare minimum in terms of how you would dare go out in the mm-hmm. world in terms of your own self-acceptance and how you think the world will see you. And it's very different. So you need to have hip pads if it's a wrap dress, for example, when there's women in the world that, first of all, won't even notice because it's not encased your body. It's not a um, form-fitting mm-hmm. outfit. You're working with cuts and you're wearing a cut that creates this hourglass figure. But you, Savannah, regardless of how it looks to the rest of the world, regardless of how people are up, up their own phone's ass so deep <laughs> that they're not even looking at anyone else, you have a certain level of prestige that it may take a commitment of two hours. That's just what it is for you. But the bare minimum and you just throwing something on could take 45 minutes. It's all about what you're comfortable with, I guess. Yeah, agreed. And today I, I spent all that time putting the clothing on and kept pausing and figuring out, oh, I'm going to do this next thing. And I keep doing this next thing. That actually took me twice as long as it usually does. But yet then I was like, I did all this work. Now I should put makeup. I put very minimal I did the same things, but I just threw it together and didn't put a super polish on the makeup. I still think I ended up looking pretty good. So yeah, I think I'm getting more confident that I need less. Mm. And I think that's important too. And we probably could have a whole other episode about where you overdo it to feel confident and, and safe. And then the more you do it, you start shipping away at all the excess until it's like, yeah, exactly. Editing. And it's not necessarily you taking shortcuts. It's just you saying, oh, I don't need that extra thing to get the same results uh, for myself in, in, in the view of others. But yeah, it takes practice. It takes time. It takes exposure to go out. I want to get back to like your first topic of why do we do this? You know, why do we dress up as women? What's the allure? And again, besides the psychology and the science of it, I heard when I was with Crystal and Leanne a couple weeks ago that they said, and I really want to try this because I'd never heard this before, but it makes complete sense, that they both have heart rate monitors, either on their iWatch or just to do it. And they say that when they dress a femme, that the heart rate, resting heart rate actually goes down Mm. as a result. And I was like, oh my God, that's so repeatable. That's something you can prove or disprove biometrics actually lower and get more calm because I dress. Yeah. And it's interesting because for so many on the other spectrum, their heart rate could increase because it is this euphoric heightened sense of self. And then and who knows if they were to monitor it over time as it went from, let's say, a kink a fetish kink space to maybe more normalcy, tracking that heart rate and seeing, you know, how things fluctuate. Because I do know for many, it is very calming. Mm. And for many, it is a very fast paced, heart racing kind of experience. And it's all based on who you are. It's all based on intention. And it's all based on your relationship with your femininity. In the first book, we talk about dressing to de-stress or escapism, where those things are, I have a really hectic life. And by dressing this way, it gives me a measure of peace of being this other person that I don't have to 
think about the worries and troubles of that other life for at least a day or an hour or however long you can do it for. So they're going back to the basics. People do dress because they want to feel this difference. They want to be this other person. They just want to put away their everyday life for this kind of fanciful feminine aura in person that they can embody, even if it's just in her wardrobe or in their, their bedroom, swishing around in front of the mirror. But that just that sense of being this other person can haze away all the troubles I have in, in that moment. For sure. Dressing for fantasy is very much a part of this fringe culture that is cross-dressing, one part of it. And another part of it that I want to give is the opposite. And I wrote it down in my notes and it's, I dress to the topic of why men wear women's clothes. We've covered that they are awesome. We covered that they could be a part of a fantasy. We've covered a wide range of micro topics within this overarching concept. But there is one theme that has come from many of the people that I've worked with when I asked them this question, and it was, it is a part of who I am, and it is a part of who I've always been. And this traces back to when they were children. And every kind of early childhood dressing experience is different, yet it has a lot of similar themes. I met someone that told me that when they were child, their mother would always comment on what great legs they had, or wow, look at what great hair you have. If you were a a girl, you had such great hair. And that kind of planted some seeds that led on this journey. I have another client that I'm very close to, and I've been coaching for many years that mentioned about how when they were born, for the first couple of years of this child's life, this baby's life, the mother rejected the fact that they were a boy and dressed them like a girl for many years. It, the mother had some psychosis going on, but this kind of led to them later in life realizing this is who I've always been. Others, and, and we have spoken to this on the podcast, have talked about rummaging through their mom's drawers and playing with their slips and trying on their sister's heels and and whatever it is, but it was always very much a part of who they are, who they've always been. And speaking about how they were always an effeminate child and that they weren't gay. Many of them were bullied and they imagined that, oh, these are all attributes that make me gay, but I'm not gay. So that kind of line between being gay and sexual identity with gender expression was blurry for them. I told you all those things in private, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the pre-adolescent going into my mother's drawers and feeling her slips and wearing stuff, bathing suits for my sister because they were more my size. And then again, that kind of blurring of lines once you hit adolescence, that was definitely me. I don't know why. I just knew there was something alluring. Maybe it was shiny. Maybe it was just because the girls and women in the females in my life were wearing those things. So maybe in order to identify as more feminine, I should be wearing those type of clothes. And I never understood why. I just felt this innocent attraction. And it went beyond, oh, I'm wearing my older sister's Disney princess gown. There was never anything like that. There was never any crossover where, like you said, somebody forced me to wear something or we were playing 
and therefore it, it just became part of the play where and then I just identified more so that way. That never happened for me. But just the idea that there was something about women's and girls' clothing, I don't know, that like you said, it seemed more awesome, seemed more something I identified with. And I don't know if I knew. I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I'm taking a pause because I'm thinking, did I know better? If I was seven, five, six, seven years old, was I thinking, ooh, I shouldn't be wearing those things because only girls wear those? I don't, right. think, I don't think I knew a other boy doing it, although I knew the neighbor kid I talk about once in a while wearing the heels when we were playing school and, and he was being the school teacher. Now he was and is gay. So he hit it from a whole different marker of being okay with that side of himself, being more effeminate. But for me, it just, I don't know, it's just something that seemed right. And I think that everyone's experience is so different. And yet at the same time, there's this collective idea that we're all experience kind of the same thing. I think a lot of our listeners, as they're listening to this episode, whether they're walking their dog, shout out, or they're driving in their car, or they're sitting with their significant other, many of them can arch back in time and think about this early childhood timeline or this adolescent timeline as being a real indicator of things to come, whether it's something that they've hid for 40 years and now through this podcast or through experiences in adulthood have come to really be proud of or to view it as sacred femininity that they have and they understand very well. Whenever we think back to how we got somewhere, we, we often are looking in the eyes of trauma. Maybe they were caught trying on something and it was an immediate no. If you're told no at a certain age, there's this, what's it called? oppositional defiance or something mm. where the child immediately wants to be like, I say, yes, I hear <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, like you say, no, but I say, yes, when can I do it again? So was it that, or was it were you trying on, like you, you trying on your girlfriend's prom dress and you liking how that felt? Are you feeling safe and how that felt? And what is that safe feeling? Safety is the is our goal. It's what we need in order to live, to love, to create. That's the cornerstone. And if trying on a dress makes us feel safe or maybe makes us feel at home or normal, what does that mean? Maybe we don't have answers to one answer to why men wear women's clothes. Even just the topic, as I wrote down the sentence in my notebook, that felt edgy to me because maybe there are some listeners that say, I wear it because I am partially woman. Yes. And like when you say why men wear women's clothes, that makes me feel like shit or that triggers me or whatever it is. So I wanted to lean into that and just bring it up today because we promised when we started this podcast X amount of years ago that we would go there. We would mm -hmm. go where in the places that feel uncomfortable. Um, and as you and I scour our brains and scour the community for different topics, Sometimes it feels like a, a hug to get back to just the basics. Oh. Why men? Why a biological man would want to wear women's clothes? That in itself, it's so simple, yet there's so much to it. And as uh, I think RuPaul said it, we're all born naked and everything else is just drag. <laughs> we put so much onus on labeling what clothes are specific and geared toward what and who. 
in Western culture is it's become so defined and so right. restrictive that you can do this, but you can't do that because no, this is only for men and this is only for women. And hey, if you want some androgynous stuff, it's going to be more geared toward looking or being more masculine, not looking or being more feminine, except for maybe some color choices that are a little more. My girlfriend chose this shirt color for me. And I was like, hey, it's lovely. I love that plum on you. Like color-wise, you're getting a little more diverse. But again, it's still a male dress shirt and it's starchy and thicker and more stiff and definitely not something I've ever in my life wanted to wear. I have never wanted to wear a male dress shirt in my life. Mm. But if you were to put me in a nice silky blouse... That just fits better. It's it just, I don't know, just comforting. And the one thing I did while we were sitting here talking, I went to Google and I said, why men wear women's clothing? First thing came up is women's jeans feel and fit better. The variety is so much more. You could dress for comfort, for classy or sexy. Some men just wear women's clothing for sexual arousal, which we talked about. Some for comfort and some just because of feeling of femininity. So, yeah, it's so basic. The idea is so basic. And I think you nailed it. I think we should have stopped at at minute five when you said women's clothing is just awesome. (laughs) (laughs) What else did we need to say? Uh, Yeah, there is definitely seems to be more care in the manufacturer or styling for women versus men. I don't think men's dress pants, other than being like, oh, let's finally make it a little more stretchy or let's finally make it fit better. I think those are things I'm just starting to see in menswear. Men are starting to not want to be uncomfortable in the workplace. But yeah, I think there's finally some moves, at least material-wise, to make things fit better. Or I've seen those compression shirts now. Wear this tee that like hides your paunch in your belly is, yeah, okay, Shaper Man does it for women, but now they're doing it for men too, where don't be embarrassed to want your look to look better and not have to be zero body fat and go out to the gym every day because men come in different shapes and sizes too. Right. Oh, I agree. It's funny, as you were reading the Google, I had also typed in cross-dressing. And you know how when you type in something in Google, there's all these little subs? Yes. So I just clicked on one of them, which was what triggers cross-dressing, oh. which immediately that's a trigger. You did get it? Trigger. Uh-huh. trigger. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah. So so what came up is this behavior is associated at least initially, which, all right, we'll argue this out. Okay. Let me just okay. get, Julie, just get through it without just being like, wah, wah, wah. like, all right. That was to me, not to you, Savannah. No worries. Okay. This behavior is associated, at least initially, with intense sexual arousal. Cross-dressers may, however, cross-dress for reasons other than sexual stimulation. For example, to reduce anxiety, to relax, or in the case of male cross-dressers, to experiment with the feminine side of their otherwise male personalities. Which, I'm going to ask you, but I'm just going to say ahead of time, The one part that I want to have a little back talk with was the initially with intense sexual arousal. So like when I see these little three-year-olds put on an Elsa dress Mm -hmm. at my place of work, I don't think that they don't even know what sexual arousal is. Trying something on, I don't even know if they could even say this feels good. It doesn't feel bad or else they wouldn't put it on, but just correction, 
it must feel good because we don't have a mirror anywhere, which I think is totally ridiculous. I'm totally like, why on this wall do, <laughs> do we not have a giant mirror? But we don't. So they put on the giant Elsa dresses and then they put on the heels and it is sensory. It's all feeling. Yeah. But it's, I want to say it's innocent, but it's obviously they're children, but it, it is sensory. It's the clicking of the heels on mm. the laminate floors. It's the, the maybe, <laughs> maybe the swishiness of the, the, the dress. dress or something. Yeah. And if I know those dresses, they're very polyestery, satiny, have a really the tool. A slickness to it as well. And it could right. just be because they see the girls doing it and they're parading around. So they want to do it too because it looks like fun. Yeah. I mean, well, they like Frozen. They like yeah. the movie Frozen. And so regardless of what the girls are doing, it, it, it isn't really, there's no teacher that I work with that is going to be pull down the gender marker. And I tried to like really keep my comments to a minimum because they were very <laughs> for the adults. But I was like, oh, future clients, a fox and hanger. Don't forget about me. Of course, I had my humor shtick. But it was just so interesting. There was just one day we have a couple of Elsa dresses and this whole like gang of like very, what I would call masculine, boyish, wrestling, truck pushing <laughs> boys in the class. Very typical for what would be considered boyish if a child psychologist was observing or me as a teacher. There's at one point... <laughs> You just see all of them. There was like four of them in these gowns. <laughs> they were just like twirling and clicking the heels. And it was just so beautiful to watch, yeah. especially oh, yeah. through the eyes of the work that I do. And then there was just one of the boys in, in, in the group that wasn't doing that. And he was just playing with the truck. And slowly one was like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> and took off the dress. Ah. And then like the rest slowly followed. And there was just like one twirling boy Elsa in the corners. <laughs> so there was a whole kind of social scene that was going yeah. on that was very interesting. The idea that you were able to observe that somewhat objectively and know that there's no sexual arousal sexual around arousal. it, which is your whole point. It's children being children, right. finding their way, finding out what they like, experimenting like they should, not be restricted to the stereotypes of what a boy or a girl should do and be. And and I agree with that completely. Yes, there is a sexual, sensual component to a man dressing as a woman, but it is innate to the human experience. Yes, we know that there are men out there who dress as women or underdress or wear lingerie for bedroom play. We know that. That is not an unknown. We are not discounting that. But while I'm also discounting, what the more normalized your female dressing becomes, typically... You find the sexual arousal of this taboo thing, or I'm wearing satin panties, or I'm wearing garters and thigh highs. The more you do it, exposure therapy would tell you that it's going to become less stimulating. And you'll find that like where your balance of what you want for your feminine identity will come out of that on the other end. Now, you may find that feminine dressing made you realize that, oh, this makes me feel feminine because that's the body I really identify with. It would take you on a very transitioning path. And other people may find, nope, I only like this for sex. It makes me more excitable and I love it. And that's what they do. There's a gamut. There's a galaxy of the reasons why 
but if this is seriously part of your spirit and your energy and having this feminine aura you need to express as an actual gender identity, whether permanently or partially, then it will become more normalized and you will find I, oh, I like wearing female jeans because they fit nicer and I don't need to wear a dress all the time and I don't need to wear a short skirt and I don't need to wear pantyhose and I hate this bra. And <laughs> all of a sudden you start finding those things that balance for you, that energy you need to express. And so why do we do it? Why do we dress as women? Why do we love female clothes? Because they represent something for us. They identify that thing we want to identify for ourselves. And we push those boundaries either socially or we challenge the norms for ourselves or because we're bucking society. A hundred thousand reasons why we dress and why we like to dress as women. But at the end of the day, it's just that balance of energy that we're trying to find and fan the flames for. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything more to say about that. That was beautiful. Thank you. That said everything and more shit. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) fart noises. Yeah, I don't really know how to come back from that without saying that you said it all, pretty much. And in conclusion, what Savannah just said, period. (laughs) No, and I think that is all of what we were aimed to talk about today. All of it. So let's just end that shit. (laughs) No, that was beautiful. And I appreciate, as always, all of your insights. And I hope our listeners do as well. Appreciate your insights and our, our banter because we truly care about you as a community. And we will continue to come up with topics that we feel resonate. Please, if ever there's a topic or something that is said, something you heard that you would like to speak back to. I've met a lot of people that say, when I've listened to your podcast, I just scream back and I I scream back at the, we're having a a three-way conversation. Please. Send us these thoughts, send us ideas for topics, because you are the reason why we created this podcast and you are our why. Oh. So, not you, our listeners. I know. I'm saying, oh, I know. Oh, that's so sweet. Aww. They are our why. I love that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, it has been a lovely recording session, and I hope you all enjoyed this episode. New episodes come every Wednesday, and yeah, stick around. And if you don't want to wait till Wednesday, please feel free to arch back to the beginning of our catalog and listen to where it all started. And yeah, bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor, copyright 2024.
Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends. Tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening. Give it a five-star rating or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.